Welcome once again to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, joined by my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And today we come to you after the Ravens' 27-22 win on Thursday night football. Now they get a little bit of a mini-bye with the weekend off and a win to think about. And they have now won two in a row for the first time all season. They sit at 5-3 and three through eight weeks of the season. We'll break down that game, what went right, what went wrong, and where, where the Ravens go from here. Before we do that, I'll remind you that all Believe in the Ravens podcasts are sponsored by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs this year. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup, player info, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easy way to bet on all your favorite sports the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball with a World Series starting now. MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag and join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your reward. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Daniel Wilcox, let's break down this Tampa Bay-Baltimore game. And it didn't really start well for the Ravens. The first half, they didn't quite look like the team that we know them to be. It was a strange first half in which, quite frankly, they only scored three points and they wouldn't even have scored those points except the Buccaneers basically gave them the ball inside the 10-yard line. Another time, they started inside the 10 and could not score a touchdown. They were held to a field goal on that drive and the entire rest of the first half looked off. They... It just didn't look like the Ravens team that we know. They ran the ball seven times, and Lamar Jackson threw 30 times. Uh, He also was sacked twice, so he went back to throw 32 times in that game. 32 is the most passes he had thrown in a game all season. And so for them to throw 30 in the first half struck me as very strange. Now, I know that Tampa Bay was dealing with several injuries in their secondary, so I think the game plan probably was to try to attack that. But the Ravens lost Mark Andrews early in the game with a shoulder injury. They lost Rashad Bateman, who aggravated his foot injury. So they were shorthanded as well. It looked like they were just committed to this passing game, and it just wasn't working. Uh, And they just it's as if they completely forgot to run the ball. And at halftime, they're down 10-3, to and they're frankly looking kind of lost. And I'm just curious, as you're watching Daniel Wilcox, that that first half breakdown, what was going through your mind throughout that half and then at halftime when it's 10-3? to um, but honestly, watching the first half, it was a little bit disappointing, but I also liked it. I, I for some reason, I liked it. I, I felt like you knew the Bucks was gonna come and load the box up. Everybody loads the box up against the Ravens. You knew they was gonna try to blitz Lamar and, and kind of rattle him and get him off, uh, you know, get him rattled a little bit early on, you know. So, them coming out firing the ball and just throwing the ball, I, I kind of actually liked it. You know, it was, a, it was a mix up that you don't normally see. But people always talk about Lamar can't do this, Lamar can't do that. So to kind of see him come out trusting his arm and then Lamar kind of throw the ball a little bit, I actually liked it, man. I wasn't really disappointed. And I think I think the red zone when they got the ball inside the ten from the from the muff punt, and they and they would I think you got to get points right there. I kind of felt like when you're that close, you know, run the ball, you know, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. You know, you got misdirection, you got RPOs, you got all that stuff. So I just feel like use that stuff when you're down that close because that misdirection and that that such fast pace 
with faking the ball to the running backs and the receivers in the backfield, I think it really plays with the defensive eyes, you know. So I feel like that should have been an easy six for them. I think they could try to throw it too many times down there in that situation. And I think you put yourself at risk of throwing a pick down there too. So I just feel like, you know, run the ball as much as possible. And, you know, I, I wasn't disappointed they came out throwing. I, I felt like it was it was a good maybe change up from what they were accustomed to doing, right? So, and I think it did kind of get Tampa Bay kind of off the, you know, on the heels a little bit because they was really planning on coming downhill, downhill on the run. You could just tell they had eight in the box the first play. They had eight in the box pretty much most of that half. And then all of a sudden they started lighting up a little bit. And then the Ravens started running the ball down their throats, you know. So I don't think it was too bad of a of, of a game plan. I just wish it had been executed a little bit better, maybe, you know. The first play of the game – Jackson hits Andrews for 22 yards, and it may be they had the box packed in against the run, and mm -hmm. Andrews gets 22 yards, and you're thinking, oh, we're, we're off and rolling. Remember, Andrews was questionable with a knee injury. We weren't even sure he would play. He didn't practice all week. Gets 22 yards on the first play of the game, and then the next, the rest of the quarter, the Ravens totaled in minus six yards. So after that first play, things got kind of out of kilter. They got, it was curious to me, they got down inside the 10-yard uh, line on that muff punt, and Gus Edwards was not on the field. He was not in the, in the in the run game right there. And, I mean, he just scored two touchdowns from inside the 10 last week, so I thought that might be a place he would be used. On first down, Lamar Jackson, he kept it himself. He got he got lost four yards, and then they tried to throw on second down and third down, and then they're forced to kick a field goal. Later in the half, they also got down deep, and they got to the 10-yard line with fourth and two, and Tucker was going to come on the field for a field goal, and, and Lamar Jackson, like, emphatically waved Tucker off the field. The offense stayed on the field on fourth and two, and he threw incomplete in the end zone. So that was another chance that they had and missed. So they go into halftime down 10 to three. And you're right. I mean, they probably did throw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers off a bit. Sure, they must have, because as I said, Lamar Jackson's not a guy that throws 30 passes in, in a half, in the first half at least, maybe late right. in a game when they're losing. But no, a first half, that was very unusual. But the second half, the Ravens and that running game completely took the game over. They scored on all four of their second-half possessions, um, not counting the last little kneel down, but the four meaningful possessions they had in the second half. They scored on all of them, extended mm -hmm. drives. They ran the ball for 204 yards in the second half. They just ran it down their throats. Right. And, of course, the injuries to, uh, to Bateman and Mark Andrews factored, but tight end Isaiah likely emerged with Mark Andrews down Tight end Isaiah likely really emerged. He had six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. And this was the player that we saw all summer on the practice fields in training camp. In the summer, Isaiah likely was the Ravens' best player. Uh, I, I mean, I think anyone that saw most of the practices would agree to that. He, he got himself open. He was confident. He won one-on-one -on -one battles in the one-on-one -on -one competitions they did. He was just a complete standout all summer. And then the season started, and I, and I was among those predicting big things for him, even with Mark Andrews. And then the season started, and he kind of vanished a little bit. He dropped a couple catchable balls in week one against the New York Jets, and he just kind of was phased out of the, of the plan. I mean, a catch here, a pass there, and he was just not really much of a factor until the game against Tampa Bay last night, and he became the guy we saw all summer in training camp. Where do you think that player went from – August till last night. Um, I think he was always there, but I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time, me and you, because we're experts at what we do, right? That's right. <laughs> I, think, I think I think Isaiah. Um, I just think he was really 
I think it took him a little while to get adjusted to the game speed again. Um, you know, preseason is a little different from regular season. Nobody really played their starters in preseason. So once the season started, I think he had he was you know had the jitters and stuff and had to build his confidence up that he can really do it. And um, he knew he could do it, you know, but he can't. I just think it's a it's always this little space where you're not getting the ball as much as you did in college or you're not getting the ball. You're not the primary guy. You know, you got to take the back seat to the guy that's been there already, Mark Andrews. And you're not that guy. And I just think he took him a little while to really, you know, kind of fit in and understand, like, all right, I'm not going to be the premier guy. When he do throw it to me, I got to I got to I got to catch it. You know, so he dropped a couple of balls early on maybe lost a little bit of Lamar's confidence early on, but I think he gained it back over time in practices and stuff like that. And every game Lamar's had tried to throw the ball to him at least once or mm-hmm. twice, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I think with Mark Andrews going down, he became a, a very vital part of the offense. And I think that's who that kid is. He's always been the pass catching, the receiving, the, the main guy, you know, everywhere he's been at Coastal Carolina, he was, you know, he was a phenomenal talent there and he did a great job for them. And he was a guy that got the ball quite a bit. He was pretty much the, the leading receiver kind of remind me of somebody else I knew, you know, when they played college ball, not saying no names, but they initially <laughs> Daniel Wilcox. But anyway, um, you know, the kid played well. And I, I just, you know, it was really good to see him, you know, emerge last night, you know, as as the guy that we all knew he was. And um, to see him play as well as he did. And I think that confidence will roll into the next game. And this is one of those things, Bo, where it kind of always kind of frustrates me, right? It's like the Kenyon Drake thing. You know, you see him ball out two, three weeks ago, and all of a sudden it's like, is Kenyon Drake still on the team? Mm-hmm. And then last night he had another great game. You know, it's like when guys are hot, as an OC, you just got to figure out a way to get these guys the ball. You mm-hmm. know, I think Kenyon Drake is playing phenomenal right now. I think freaking um, DuVernay is playing, like, lights out right now that's me and your friend i think that's me and bo's favorite guy right now i've that. just been hard by beating his yeah. drum for three years i think he does as i said before yeah. good things happen when the ball's in his hands yeah and you got you just got to find ways to get these guys the ball like the whole to me the whole first half was coaching you know the whole second half was coaching you know mm-hmm. like you you call the plays in the first half you also call the plays mm-hmm. in the second half mm-hmm. the difference in this game was the first half and the second half you, you coach like you know the coach i ain't gonna say like crap but you First half, everybody's scratching their freaking head. Even you were scratching their head. Was. The game was way closer than I it should have been. You know, so then the second half, you're like, all right, now we're playing our ball. And you got to always stick to your identity and throw wrinkles in with your identity, you know, who you are. And we're a running team. Make You know, force people to stop us, you know. People are going to load the box up with us. When they load their box, you got to take advantage of the, of the opportunities that they give you because they're going to fake like they loading and still drop out. But I think I was more impressed – more than anything with with, with um, our starting center, you know, Linderbaum last night. I think he played likes out. And I just loved how physical we were. I mean, you know, Tampa Bay ain't got a slouch defense. And we no. ran the ball down their throat. We got up on their second level, on their linebackers. We beat them up. You know, anytime you see the head coach yelling at the freaking, you know, your star backer, your star player on defense, you're Ray Lewis, you know something is you going good on our side of the ball. That's totally so, true. I, rem- I, yeah. I I mentioned Linderbaum, and I mean Tyler Linderbaum, the starting center. I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a standout night for really the entire Ravens rookie class. Uh, yeah. I thought, but li- let's get to Linderbaum because again, the starting center he's got a tough matchup in the middle of that defense, and they gave up a sack early. But by when they got that run game going, Linderbaum, Devin White is a really good linebacker for Tampa Bay, and Linderbaum basically turned him into a blocking sled. If you watch a couple of those running plays, Linderbaum pushes him 10, 15 yards downfield. He's still engaged with the block 20, and ends up putting yards. Devin White on, the, on his back 20 yards yeah. from the line of scrimmage. 
I mean, Great. Devin White is going to see Tyler Linderbaum in his nightmares for the rest of the year, I think. Uh, Linderbaum had just an outstanding game. And, of course, he Isaiah did. likely had a, had a terrific game as well. And I think he probably did earn the confidence of Lamar Jackson. And, and remember, we joke about Tyler, uh, about Isaiah likely. Like Mark Andrews, Isaiah likely was not even the first tight end taken by the Ravens in this draft. That was actually mm-hmm. Charlie Kolar from Iowa State, who's been on injured reserve the whole year and is, right. is kind of working back, but likely was the standout in training camp, and he finally showed that. That, that last night was exactly what we saw all summer in training camp. After the game, John Harbaugh said that Mark Andrews' shoulder injury is not serious. They've got a nice schedule break here. They don't play again until next Monday night, and after that they have a bye. So they only have one game in the next 23 days. So that gives Andrews some time to heal up, and now they know they have likely there who can also step in. And so that was a really good game for him. And you mentioned Devin Duvernay. Yes, indeed, I've been beating his drum the whole his whole career. It, last year, it seemed like it was a strange thing. He would make a play, and then that was his one touch for the game, and they would kind of not go to him anymore. But last night, he had a touchdown run. He had a couple runs that went well. Good receiver. I mean, he's just... He's just a dynamic guy, and with Rashad Bateman banged up again, Duvernay just keeps elevating to one of the most important players in this offense. You mentioned Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake again another big day. The Ravens averaged seven yards a carry in the game last night. 33 carries, 231 yards, with 204 of them in the second half. As I said, they just they just ran it down the Buccaneers' throats in the second half, and they were very much more physical. And you make a great point. I mean, anytime the head coach is giving guff to his star inside linebacker, you know something is not working for them. And he was getting manhandled by Tyler Linderbaum, who had just a terrific, terrific game at center for the Ravens. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, the Ravens gave up an early touchdown on the the Buccaneers' first drive, and it looked like, uh uh-oh, we're getting the young. I know last week you said – uh, the Ravens have to get prepared for the young Tom Brady, not the old Tom Brady. And early it looked like, uh-oh, we're getting the young Tom Brady. Deep yeah. pass to Mike Evans, got Godwin. Oh, no, they got confidence again. But after that, the Ravens really clamped down. They didn't give up another touchdown until that last one in the last minute of the game. They held the Buccaneers to two first downs in the middle two quarters. When you watch the Ravens' defense, what do you think worked best against Brady and those guys? Just applying pressure, man. And I, I just felt like the secondary is finally starting to look like the secondary we thought they was going to be. It was moments where Brady were patting the ball two, three, four times back there, and it was coverage sacks. You mm-hmm. know, the pressure that we was getting on them wasn't because we was just beating the guy right off rip at the line of scrimmage. It was because we was covering so good down the field that he wasn't sure if he could make that throw or not. Even the deep ball that he threw to Evans, I mean, Humphreys was all yeah. over that. I mean, he was right there where he should have been. His arm was in between, um, you know, both of uh, Evans' arms. And, you know, Evans just made a phenomenal play. And Brady put the ball in the perfect spot. You know, and that's, where the, that's why the pros get paid. You know, everybody yeah. get paid because they're that good. But Marlon Humphreys was step for step, arm in the right place. You know, he tried to rip it out, tried to take his arm, other arm away. He caught the ball basically with one arm and was able to strong arm it away from Humphreys, the entire catch, man. And it just, when you see plays like that, it's just say, man, that's why it's the NFL right there. It just mm-hmm. makes you smile. Great throw, great coverage, great route, um, and just great catch. You know, it was an all-around great play on everybody. And you mad because Marlon Humphrey gets beat deep on that play, but he really didn't get beat deep. He was right where he was supposed to be in perfect position. And, you know, it, it was a play that, if there was a play to be made, he would have made it. 
because he was in the right spot to make that play. The only other thing he could have did was freaking trip him up before the ball got there in order to stop him from making that catch. And I'm just really impressed, man. I just think our, our secondary was a huge factor last night. They was, I think they turned the corner a little bit last night, you know, because it's not like Tampa Bay got slouch, slouch receivers. They got no, really no, good no. guys, you know. They got guys that can run. They got speed with Miller, and they got Big Evans. They got Julio Jones, I mean, mm-hmm. who's probably a legend. He's a legend here in Atlanta, you know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure. telling you right now, yeah, I think he'll be a Hall of Famer one day too, you know. And it's, he's had a, a, the injury bug the last three, four years. But they got some studs at receivers, man. And I felt like we did a good job of covering all night long. And to me, that's, that was the determining factor in this game. It made Brady hold on to the ball a little longer than he would normally do it. And it, it gave us an opportunity to get to him and get him rattled a little bit. I mean, by the second half, if you looked at Brady's face, it looked like he was trying to figure out what's going on. It's just like he, it just wasn't a good it wasn't a good vibe in, in, in Tampa by the second half. It just started to, the tide started to turn and it felt like everybody was hit got hit with a tsunami on the Tampa Bay side of this thing, man. And I don't know what happened, but I've never seen Brady's face look the way it looked you know, in the second half of that game. Yeah, it was a face of frustration. There's no question about it. And I know sometimes he and Mike Evans didn't seem to be on the same page. They walked off the field together, and they're trying to discuss what they were supposed to do differently. But that t- part of that is also the defense not giving them anything. And, and there was definitely some right. frustration built in by the defense. Justin Houston had sacks on back-to-back plays again for the second time in two weeks. And the Ravens got good push inside from Justin Matabike and Broderick Washington, who – uh, Matt Abike had a sack. He w- he hit Brady a couple times. Broderick mm-hmm. Washington patted down a couple passes. Uh, Travis Jones batted down a pass. So they were getting pushed inside against that rebuilt interior line of the Buccaneers, and that also hurt. And then that got Brady off his spot, as they say, and then he had to get moving, and he doesn't want to be moving. He wants to sit in that pocket and throw. And right. And I know he gets the ball out quickly, but he couldn't get the ball out quickly all the time because he couldn't find anyone. So right. that was a really good effort. And we talked about the rookies, Linderbaum, Isaiah Likely, and two other guys that really helped in that defensive effort were two other rookies. Pepe Williams played a lot in the slot and in the, in the nickel situations as a, a rookie defensive back. And Kyle Hamilton made a really nice play to break up a pass at the goal line and mm-hmm. also came on a blitz a couple times and hit Brady once. It looks like you know Kyle Hamilton took a lot of the grief around here for those first couple games where the defense melted down because there was some miscommunication. A lot of it was pinned on Hamilton and he got kind of his playing time was sharply reduced after the first couple of games. It yeah. looks like they're starting to get more confidence in Hamilton and Hamilton's getting more confidence in himself. He had a sack last week against Cleveland. Mike McDonald's bringing him on blitzes more often than I think he had been certainly than we expected, but Hamilton is right. blitzing He's playing better in coverage, and he just looks like a better player now than he did a month ago, and that's probably to be expected with a rookie. So I think that whole rookie class last night really stepped up offensively and defensively. So the Ravens get the win 27-22. to As I said, their first two-game winning streak of the year, and now they get this little mini-buy. They can kind of hang out on Sunday and watch games if they want, or they can do whatever they want on Sunday. They can rake the leaves if they want. They can do whatever they want. But you tell me, <laughs> Daniel Wilcox, as a player, how nice does that feel to have this mini-buy after a Thursday night win? It feels great, Bo. I mean, you get a chance to exhale a little bit, you know, just, you know, woosah moment, right? Like, boy, I'm glad we get a chance to take a break. This is the first Sunday I've had off all year. And um, I, I think it's really good for him, man. It, it refreshes him, you know, a couple of extra days of rest, you know, just staying off your feet. You know, if you got a good woman at home, she may massage your toes and your feet a little bit, you know, maybe your shoulders and your neck. It just depends. You know, you take your, you know, this is when you take those opportunities, go get a massage. The next day after your massage, you don't ruin it. So you get a chance to just hang out 
and lounge a little bit, you know, maybe go fishing or something, pick up a fishing rod, throw the, throw the line in the water, catch a fish or two with a little music out there, a couple of drinks, you know. So, I mean, this this is well needed, man. Like, you have to get away from football. And I learned that from, you know, some of the older guys, you know. When you get these little breaks, completely get away from football for a couple of days. Do it, you know. You know, take a quick trip with your wife or something, and you know, and, and go hang out with her for a minute and then come back and ready to roll. Be refreshed and, and like, rejuvenated or whatever, and, and now you're ready to go, you know. So, I mean, I'm praying that all these guys get a chance to take a break and they stay safe and don't do anything stupid over this break and this opportunity. I'm sure they'll get two or three days off, you know, right now with this weekend, but they have to come back ready, you know, ready to play and be prepared for this next game. This next game is going to be important as well. Yeah, everyone matters, and, and they, as I said, they, they come off this break, this mini-bye, and they play next Monday night at New Orleans. So it's actually even a longer buy than it normally would, but just by a day. But the Ravens mm-hmm. do get this weekend off. And then they will play next Monday night at New Orleans. And then they actually have their buy. They're off the entire week the next week. So right. it's a stretch of the schedule that is it, – it comes at a good time, right? You've played eight straight weeks. You're beat up. And this team is beat up right now. Bateman's hurt. Andrews is hurt. Gus Edwards, who I didn't mention him, he got hurt last night as well and was running well. And – that's a concern, that. right? Because he, he just came back from the big knee injury. He played two games. He hurt his hamstring last night. And John Harbaugh said after the game they would know more about that injury today. Remember, they've already lost J.K. Dobbins again for a little while. You don't want to get back to the case where you don't have Dobbins and Edwards again for an extended again. time. But yeah. we'll see. Regardless, they have this break now where they play just one game in the next 23 days. And it should give them time to heal up for a stretch of the schedule that's very forgiving because after the Saints are two and five and the next three opponents they play after that are two and five. And in fact, as of now, the only other opponent they face from here to the rest of the season that has a winning record is Cincinnati in the last week of the season. So the Ravens have a chance to to get something going here and, and to put some distance between them and certainly the teams other than Cincinnati in the division and really make a claim for this division uh, race. So it's an important time for them to rest up and heal up, and they get to do it off a 27 to 22 win over Tampa Bay. So the Ravens go to five and three with the win. And as I said, they now have the extended weekend off and get ready to face New Orleans in New Orleans on Monday night football a week from Monday. We will be back next week to preview the Ravens and the Saints, and maybe we'll have a better read on some of these injury situations the Ravens are dealing with, whether Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman or Gus Edwards or Calais Campbell or Josh Bynes, quite frankly, who both missed this past game, whether they will be available for that game. That will be the 5-3 and three Ravens with a two-game winning streak going to New Orleans on Monday Night Football, November the 7th. For Ravens tight end Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smolka on the Believe in the Ravens podcast presented by Bet Online.